Hello and welcome to another, welcome to this new podcast. I am Ben Lister, still chatting with guests, but not broadcasting on radio, but on Spotify in this one. This is the Chatterbox podcast and I get more freedom, more fun, no real restrictions, lots of big guests coming your way very soon. But let's hit the ground running, shall we? Today, my guest is a poet. From Withensea, it's the one, the only, Richard Harries. Hello, Richard. Welcome along. Hello. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you. Starting a new project today, so hitting the ground running. And what better guest could you have than me? (laughs) Hopefully. How am I? I'm fine. A little bit weary and bewildered, as we all are, with our... Uh, movements restricted, but uh, fine, yeah. And I'm very excited because I've got the new book out. Yep, that's good. Are you ready to begin? I am. So let's begin, if that's okay. Question one. How did you get into poetry? Well, it was really quite accidental. I was uh, working um, in Leeds, um, I've lived in Withensea 11 years and um, somebody, uh, because they knew I was good at writing letters and documents and things like that at work, uh, sent me Wordsworth daffodils. You know, I wandered lonely as a cloud and they asked me to turn it into awful, probably libelous um, uh, doggerel um, to be funny uh, about things that happened at work. Um, and so I did. And then not long after that, um, a my boss, who was a woman, um, went to Paris, got engaged at the top of the Eiffel Tower and came back and told us the details in such great uh, length um, that when we were doing a card from the office, uh, I, I did this rhyme in the middle of it all about how she'd uh, got engaged. And I got so much reaction from loads of people they were all emailing me saying that these these poems these rhymes were hilarious and and really good and i thought oh i've got a little talent here i'm not a genius or anything but i can do this and i started writing um poems um and i had a little file of them and i i didn't really know why i was write, writing them um but i kept writing some comedy some serious all sorts of different things um, and then we moved to Withensea and my wife wanted to go to Kingham Folk Group uh, Club. And I wasn't keen, to be honest, because I thought it would be like an amateur karaoke thing. And it wasn't. When she dragged me there, it was absolutely fantastic. And there were people doing spoken word. And usually it was classic things by people like Marriott Edgar and um, Kenneth Williams. But... Um, people seemed to love them. So the next time I went there, I took my poems and stood on stage and had a bash and it brought the house down. People loved it. Um, So that's how it started. Uh, And from there, I was invited the next week to an open mic. Uh, I didn't really have much knowledge of no open mics. And again, they liked me there. And I was invited to a club on uh, Holderness Road, the Rain Club. And that was the start of everything because I met so many wonderful people at the Rain Club, but they're all still friends now. And um, within about six weeks, 
I was at the Freedom Festival. So it was about 10 weeks from standing on the stage at Cainham to finding myself in a big marquee at the Freedom Festival, um, being accepted as a spoken word artist. And it just happened so fast. It was lovely. Wow. That's a great way to start your career. Yeah, and it's never stopped. I call it like spaghetti because you go and do one thing, you know, go to a cancer research event and suddenly you've got another five people wanting you to come to their event and that sort of thing. So I've done an awful lot of charity work in in Hull very willingly and I love helping um, and I love performing. So, um, wow, it's it's just been a, a roller coaster for 10 years. I found myself in Newcastle the year before lockdown. I was going to say last year, but we didn't go anywhere last year, did we? Um, And I I was wanted up um, there, uh, which amazed me that they'd heard of me. So I was really pleased. Well, technically, we could have gone somewhere in the first two months. Yes, but um, they're not the busiest months poetry and event-wise, because it all closes down over Christmas, and it's well into New Year when it starts. We had started, and I'd done some open mics, and in fact, the week before lockdown, uh, we were at an open mic, which I run in Withensee, in aid of the Withensee Pier Fund, um, and um, that's a month-monthly thing, and we were all saying, oh, it's not as serious as, as they said, and we'll be back next month, ho, ho, ho. So much did we know. <laughs> Some of it will go. Some of this COVID stuff is quite serious, but some of it is not as bad as the media. Some media outlets. This isn't an attack on any of them. Are making out. Well, the trouble with our press, without getting too political, um, is that it's owned by some vast wealthy people. And it's got to such a state now that you really don't know uh, whether what you're reading is true. And you can see a a picture and uh, technology is so advanced now they can very convincingly Photoshop anything. And you can see something that looks awful and you have to ask yourself, but is this true? I don't know. And it is bewildering for ordinary people. Yeah, and also some live event people who I know have been upset and I may actually after this COVID, do a bit of live event hosting because alongside my radio work, because it's something I'm interested in. I'm on my podcasts. I might do some bit of live events introducing acts. And if ever you're looking for a person to host a live event yourself, Richard, um, you can ask me or one of my colleagues or one of my friends. Good. Thank you. Yeah. I'll come. All I'll do is introduce the acts and interview them. That's all. Yeah. If ever you need them. Yeah. Okay. What? Question two. What is your favourite part about poetry? Well, um, I love writing it. Um, sometimes. Uh, particularly comedy, I find fairly easy. But um, when I'm writing about emotions and things that move me, 
Uh, and I can write from anything that moves me. It can be joy, happiness, irritation, anger. I can't write about anything that bores me. Somebody once asked me to write about Tai Chi. Well, I don't know anything about Tai Chi and I have nothing to say about it. So I said, you should write it. He said, but I'm not a poet. I said, well, how do you know unless you try? Because Tai Chi obviously grips you um, and you may well be able to write about it, but I, I can't do that. So I get... It's very cathartic. If I'm really angry about something or depressed, I can write it out. I can get my anger and depression out on the paper. So I love writing, but I also love performing. I love communing with an audience and and, and they'll laugh when I expect them to laugh, but then they'll laugh at something I didn't think was funny. And it's really a communication a communion between you and the the audience and engaging with them. And it's just lovely. And when I've written one of my funny pieces and they fall about laughing, it's absolutely brilliant. You know, it's just lovely. Yeah. And also it's brilliant that you've started something good and something that you like and something that's your favourite thing to do. Mm. I mean, occasionally I thought about something I, I have a poem about male breast cancer uh, because I went through a scare I didn't have cancer but they did tests on me um, and I didn't know that men could die of breast cancer um, and um, I decided that I wouldn't write about it because it might upset somebody and who was going through it and that sort of thing um, and um it wrote itself in my head. It was like a gestation and it was in my head for several weeks. And eventually I just had to sit down and I had to uh, start typing. And it was more or less there. I mean, I had to edit it and change it and move it around a bit. But um, so sometimes something that is deep inside me that is really important has to come out. Um, and, um, that so that's great to get it out you know um and that that was one of the poems that drew attention to me and it got mentioned at the york literature festival where i appeared and the publisher first noticed me with that one so it's a very important poem to me because it led to me getting this publishing deal and it's really unusual i think for i'm 68 and I'm nearly 69. And most poets who are first time published are much, much younger. Um, it's very rare for somebody of my age to be signed by a publishing house, an actual real one. And this has been issued, the book, it's called Awakening. Um, and it's issued by Stairwell Books, S-T-A-I-R-W-E-L-L, Books of York. You can Google them and it's online. It's on Amazon and it's on Amazon Worldwide. It's published in America too. So it's a, a really big deal for me. It's, it's a big step in my life. I mean, after marriage, having kids and grandkids, I guess it's the most important thing in my life. Yeah, your inspiration. <clears throat> Uh, it's it taken a long time because I think it was probably five years ago, uh, something like that, that I was first noticed by the publisher. And um, it's been a, a bumpy journey. And eventually I did a BBC radio show with Kofi as host, um, Kofi Smiles. Um, 
and that was Easter in 2019. Um, and after that, the publisher came to me and said, yes, we'll publish you now. We've heard you on the, ra on the radio. And it was a great show. So um, they were impressed by my, the poems I did that night as well. Um, and, um, you know, unfortunately, they don't say, right, we'll sign you and we'll bring it out in two months. It, it was always going to be January 2021. So it's actually come out today on the 14th of February. Though COVID only delayed it three weeks. And I think that's remarkable uh, because COVID has delayed so many things, hasn't it? I, me and you should, sorry, me and you should be in the studio right now. Yes, it would be good. But COVID has stopped, prevented that. Yeah. But, you know, there's always the future, isn't there? There is. Things must get better and let's certainly hope that they do and fairly soon. Um, I'm due my vaccine soon um, and we'll just see if I can arrange that. I've got a number to ring tomorrow. Good luck with that. Yeah. Question four. Sorry, f did I do three? Well, I've kind of covered three. You didn't do three, but I've kind of... I answered that in sort of two and three together, really, I think. It's because... Uh, well, say question three and I'll, I'll, I'll answer it. Question three. Why do you love poetry? Well... I love reading it, of, um, uh, but I love reading generally. I read every day of my life. Um, and I think my great inspiration for writing is Enid Blyton because she, she's an amazing author and she's still relevant today. Um, and uh, she still sells today. Um, poetry, probably John Donne and John Betjeman uh, and also Joni Mitchell, um, who, as well as an amazing singer-songwriter, uh, her, her lyrics are beautiful poetry. I mean, in Chelsea Morning, there's a, um image of the sun poured in like butterscotch and stuck to all my senses, and I think that's just so evocative. And writers like that have always inspired me. And when I'm moved, as I've said before, I can write, and I just love expressing myself. Yep. Yeah. You're an inspiration to the next generation of poets. Well, I hope so. And I hope they don't all think of me as sort of cronky and old, because in many ways uh, I, I'm quite disreputable and I certainly don't intend to be all um, grown up and boring. So, um, you know, I, I, I write about some very funny things. I mean, I, I have a poem about teabagging and I, I have a man's version of a feminist poem about vagina. So sometimes I surprise people because they expect this little old man or tall old man. Um, but I know when I was 25, I thought 50 was very old. I didn't know that you still feel the same in your head and that you forget that you're old. And then somebody says something and, uh, it reminds you. I went to university in my 40s and um, everything was modular. When I was um, leaving school, everything at university was very 
uh, focused on subjects, you know, um, whereas we had lots of modules to add together. And there was one called What is Racism? And we were discussing racism and then we discussed um, anti-feminism and this sort of thing. And this young black lad um, was really friendly, a really lovely bloke. And he said, it's not just these subjects. And there was another, there was a lady called Fiona who was in the class and she was slightly older than me. And I was in my 40s and I think she was in her 50s. Uh, and this lad just looked at us very sweetly and smiled and said, Fiona and Richard will find ageism too, won't you? Well, I thought I was a groove young fang. I thought they hadn't noticed I was older. <laughs> so <laughs> um, there you go. Um, but uh, so lots of things with me. And if I move back and write. Yeah. Uh, question four. Question four. Can you read us a poem, if that's okay? Yes, just a little one, and it kind of relates to that subject. Uh, we were on holiday in Malta. Um, I don't want to read a great big long one, um, because I'm not sure that people want to listen to a, a, a huge long one. But I just thought a, a little fun one would be good for your listeners. And we were in Malta on holiday, and I've just lost a lot of weight. I've lost six stone. Um, and it's quite deliberate. Um, I want to be here for when my granddaughters grow up. I want to go to their wedding. So being vastly overweight is not a good idea. And it's not a way that would keep me alive. So I made a great effort. And I was feeling really good about myself. And we're in Malta and, and buses are quite crowded. And I got on a bus. I was wearing my a nice T-shirt and my funky jeans that probably had slashes in them. You know, I was feeling really good about myself. And it happened. When it's got here, when and how a young, pretty, blonde girl seated on a bus, she smiled at me. I was flattered and pleased. She stood up, gave up her seat to the old guy, me. It's happened. How? When? Why? And then it happened again and again and again. So <laughs> that's uh, just a little one. Would you, would you like another one? Yeah, go on then. This is going to go on Spotify after I've edited it or whatever on the, one of my websites, whatever that I'm currently Well, I'll, I'll do a more serious, uh, also short, but more serious one and this is called a lesson learned as a child i did what i was told back then you did but when i was 10 i was watching tv together with my family as you did back then tennis was on wimbledon my mum like maria bueno said she was elegant pretty had class a match was starting, women's tennis, on walk to short woman, not glamorous, not wearing lace like Maria Bueno. She walked on determinedly, defiantly, wearing colour. Only a wristband or something like that, a first at Wimbledon, Rosie Casals. It caused a fuss, shock, horror. She was sent off to change. She was timed. Something stirred in me. I learnt I could disobey. I could protest. I did not 
have to accept. So thank you, Rosie Casals. And uh, it was a very big defining moment in my life. I, I knew I didn't have to do just what mum and dad said. Um, I could think. I could have my own opinions. And um, it was a huge discovery for me that um, because until a certain point, you just accept that your mum and dad are always right and are the power. Um, and um, so I wanted to write about that. And both of those two poems are in the book, which is called Awakening. Let's mention that again on Stairwell Books. Wow, you're a legend. Thank you very much. And it's an honour to be talking to you. It's really lovely talking to you too. Okay, question five. What advice, the last question on the list here on the Chatterbox podcast, what advice would you give to young aspiring poets starting out? Well, I think there, there are several things. Um, write from your emotions. Don't try and write about something you don't know about. I mean, if you're an expert on ancient, ancient Egyptology, then okay, write about that. But if you really don't know about it, don't write about it. Write about things that matter that you've experienced, because I find that the ones that I write that are most successful and I'm most pleased with are about things from my experience. Um, and I think put yourself in front of audiences. So, because one thing about poems, you, you say I wrote three poems um, and I like them. I, I reject some, some of them are not very good. Some of them don't work. Um, so, and sometimes I rewrite them, but sometimes I abandon them. But the, I, I write three poems and I believe they're all good. And I stand in, an, in front of an audience. And to be honest, they like nearly all my poems. I, I've never had a real failure, which is partly to do with performance, I think. But you can do two or three poems that you think are just the same standard. And one will be the huge success and the howling and the clapping. And, and it's just wonderful. And I, I, I was challenged by, by a local, another local poet to write a, a poem about a crumpet. And, you know, you can't write a poem about a crumpet. So I did. And it's very silly and it's doggerel. And it's not high art or anything, but it's just daft, which is what it's meant to be. Um, and um, I was at uh, Filey Folk Festival um, and there was a gap to fill, so I just did some more poems, and I got that one with me, and I thought, they're going to think I'm absolutely crackers doing this um, crumpet poem, and it's all about crumpet and marmite and things like that. And um, it brought the house down. They absolutely loved it, and there were huge debates between husband and wife about who liked marmite and who didn't and things like that. And it's a poem that works. So unless you perform it in front of someone, you don't know whether your poem works. Um, and so get out there performing and getting noticed um, and performing. And then uh, you get asked to do things like radio shows if, if you're good and if you've attracted attention. And um, so if you're getting out there, having written the stuff that you care about and get seen, 
that's how you get noticed. And it's because I've been for 10 years. I mean, every week I go out four or five times and perform. Um, I'm all over Hull all the time. I'm places like the Jazz Bar um, and uh, the Service Station. And I was at the Cardona a lot when it was open. And there's an amazing um, event once a month on Princess Avenue called Away With Words. Get out there, get seen. Um, and then you get invited to other things and that leads to other things. And that's led to my book. And I've worked, I think, very hard to get where I am. But uh, you have to put yourself out there. Yeah, just make a sure for yourself. And show yourself to the um, your real self to the world. Yes, and the other thing is, don't be afraid to edit, because um, at first, I, when I wrote things, I assumed that that's what it should be, and then I did a lot of um, master classes um, and uh, events at the Truck Theatre um, with a guy called Rupert Creed who was a brilliant playwright, and this was for the Freedom Festival. And um, we wrote a lot of little minimalist poems, just stripping it all down with not lots of story or description, and they're very effective. But we were then put into pairs to work together, and I worked with a lovely lady who's now no longer with us called Angela Needham, and she kept saying to me, now, I had a long poem about Amy Johnson and she said, do we need to know that bit? Isn't that bit? And if you stand back from your work and you are able to cut things out because sometimes less is more. And if you've actually said everything that you want to say, stop, you don't need to go on. And one of my most successful poems is called five strong women. And it's, my mum died when I was little and um, I had a lot of help from five brilliant ladies, some of whom were aunts or um, uh, my godmother and, and various other. There were five of them and they kind of took it upon themselves to love and look after me. And um, I wrote this great mega long poem and I got to the end of it and I thought, you know, this is really boring. This is boring. And so I got my editor's head on. And I cut it down to an A4, and it is so effective. It is one of my best poems that people love. And I am honoured because every year, um, Karen Okra, who um, organises an event to celebrate uh, strong women at um, Hull Minster, invites me as the only man to perform this poem. And uh, I've been... I mean, it would have been three years running, but um, obviously COVID put a stop to that. Um, but other people tell me that what an excellent poem it is and, and, and one of my best. And yet I bet I cut 75% of it out. So you have to be prepared to look at your poem and edit it and cut it down because sometimes poems ramble too much and they've said everything they need to say and then you go on um so editing is very important yeah like i edit my script sometimes and that's like right you listen to you listen to it and you'll see a great big boring bit where we went one went off top, topic so you cut that out yes um 
And, and the point about five strong women is it's about five women who stood up and what they did for me. You didn't need their whole life story in it. And by the time you'd gone through, got to woman number four, it really was boring. And I thought, and oh, these are people I love. <laughs> and I'm bored by this, so there's something wrong here. So get that editor's pen out and slash it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that that could go under the advice question as well. Yes. No, that was the advice question. You see that you can cut that bit out because I've, I've rambled there. Uh, <laughs> that's it from me here on the Ben L the Chatterbox podcast today. Thank you for joining to us today, Richard. A pleasure. Join me again soon for another Chatterbox podcast. But for now, please give it up for my special guest, Richard Harris. But for now, thank you very much for listening. And that's a wrap. Excellent.